2: Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're not only in the right place, you're in the best place right now. We've got a power panel back, and stick around because you don't want to miss this, and as I always say, take notes. The buzz today... Why me? Oh, come on. You all remember the person who said those five little letters with the space and the question mark. It was ice skater, figure skater Nancy Kerrigan back on January 6, 1994 in a very famous battle that became known. The incident became known as the Whack Heard Round the World. We'll leave that one alone. So let's talk about business ownership. That's our topic today. Business ownership can be tough. Hey, your clients are pushing back on your pricing. You know you're worth it, but they are on a budget. They want to economize. Okay, your employees are acting like four-year-olds. Ever heard of leave your ego at the door and don't bring it to work? Well, not everybody knows that rule. And vendors don't deliver as promised. Well, it was raining. The dog ate the The purchase order. The invoice didn't get delivered. My mother is has to go to the the chiropractor. You know, everybody has excuses. Add to that. Your fear of growing too slowly, maybe even at a snail's pace. Yes, good and slow makes for good progress, but you're watching some of your competitors soar to success like a rocket ship. So it's not surprising if, as a business owner, and this applies to new business owner women and men, not surprising if you're crying, why me? Why did I do this? The challenge is, is it possible to reclaim your power And use the law as a tool to strengthen the foundation of your business and your business relationships. And the answer is, Y-E-S, yes. Yes, you, now, listen up. We have a panel of experts. Oh, you know who they are. Nina L. Kaufman, Esquire, Nancy L. Schick, Esquire, and Renee L. Duff, Esquire. They're back. They were on part one and part two of this topic with me. And today they're going to share more of the legal pitfalls that many women and men entrepreneurs come against and how you can sidestep them. But here's the key. You do not need to go to law school like these three smart ladies did. On March 9th of this year, on Coffee Break with Game Changers here, we covered the foundation of how to use the law as a tool. March 16th, just the week after the first one, we discussed leveraging and growth. And today we're going to cover how to reclaim your power. So take notes, listen up, listen in, tell all of your friends and colleagues and anybody who even has entrepreneurship as a gleam in their eye that they need to listen either right now live or when the show is available on demand a couple of hours later. So the experts speak. Let me introduce first and welcome back, warmly welcome back, Nina Kaufman Esquire. She is an SBA Women in Business Champion and she is the legal expert at entrepreneur.com. Forbes Magazine calls Nina one of the 25 most Most influential women tweeting about entrepreneurship. I think that establishes her as an expert. Nina has sent me a quote from Harriet Beecher Stowe. Uh, Those of you may remember her as an American abolitionist. The Seventh of Thirteen Children. I didn't know that. And she is best known as the author of the novel Uncle Tom's Cabin, 1852, about the harsh life for African Americans under slavery in the U.S. It reached millions of people as a novel and a play and became influential not only in the U.S., but in the U.K. And here is the quote. Never give up, for that is just the place and time that the tide will turn. Nina Kaufman, so happy to have you back. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, Bonnie, and it is great to be back with you. Thank you. Thank you. So talk to me, Harriet Beecher Stowe. You're digging way back in the history books there. So how did you come up with this quote, and, and what does this mean for us today about about growing your business or reclaiming your power, Nina?
3: Well, I, what I, I think it's really applicable is as you're growing. Really, business, entrepreneurship is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we may see, oh, you know, Snapchat I think was just valued at $20 billion, and it's been around for 12 minutes. And you may be sitting in your own business saying, my God, I've been at this for 10 years, 20 years, 15 years, and maybe my valuation is, I don't know, $500,000, which is not enough to retire on. So when I get discouraged, it's, you know, I want to be able to surround myself with a reminder that again this is a marathon it's not a sprint and don't give up because it's when, when you keep persevering that's when doors open when you keep saying i'm not letting this get in my way i'm moving forward that the opportunities show up the right people show up and and as she says that's
2: the time and the place that the tide will turn interesting nina what about advice to entrepreneurs to say Nah, it's just not gonna happen. You've invested all this money. You put your 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 circle of uh, FFF, family, fools, and friends, you put their money to use, you tried your best, social media is overwhelming your industry, the competitors are doing great, you just missed the mark, you just don't get it, go home, rethink, regroup, and try something else, does that ever happen, or is Harriet Beecher Stowe saying, that's the moment when you're going to be perched for making a turnaround and success, what do you think, is there a time when it's okay to fold the tent, Nina? Oh sure, there's a, there's a
3: time to fold the tent, but there's a difference between folding the tent and saying I am not going to be a business owner anymore, and saying you know what maybe what I'm doing or the way I'm doing it isn't quite hitting the market the way I would like it to, and that needs to be turned. So I, I think the sense of the sense of giving up is is not just well close everything and 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 walk away. It's understanding you know getting feedback from the right people, because sometimes the family and the fools and the friends, they are not the best business advisors. In fact, they may be the worst business advisors, because they're afraid. They're afraid for you, uh, or they may not have experience in the business. Um, So if you have spoken to wise advisors who understand the market, Mm -hmm. um, you may get some feedback that says, okay, with, with just a slight turn of the dial, just a little bit of a pivot, You can actually be on a better path to success, and I think that's part of what this quote speaks to. It's not do exactly the same thing over and over again. That's Einstein's quote about insanity. Yes, that's true. (laughs) But not giving up is to say, hmm, have I really investigated all of the opportunities, the permutations to see can this really work for me? And very often entrepreneurs don't. They've just had plan A, and if plan A doesn't work, uh, they're stuck. But okay. Have you
2: tried Plan D? Have you tried Plan Q? Nina, it sounds like about Z? it sounds like you're talking about mindfulness, about taking a deep breath, about turning off all the chaos, and just sitting down and looking at it rationally and saying, "I need to rethink this." I think yeah. that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Good, I I like that. So don't give up, but rethink and don't just keep doing the same stupid things over and over again, <laughs> expecting better results. I didn't say the children are listening. We don't want to, you know to have them know the word. Okay, thank you, Nina. Wonderful to have you back. This is part three. I'm so excited. I think we're going to have to plan part four. You know that already. But let's get through this one. Nancy Elshick Esquire is an attorney, arbitrator, mediator, and conflict resolution coach, probably conflict revolution coach, too, based in New York City. She's the founder of the Law Studio of Nancy, spelled N-A-N-C-E-L-S-H-I-C-K, where she and her team of employees, vendors, and strategic partners create resolution using a holistic integrative approach. Nancy has sent me a quote from Paul Thomas Mann, mostly known as Thomas Mann, M-A-N-N. He lived from 1875 to 1955. Who was he? A German novelist, short story writer, social critic. There's that social word way before it became popular in our parlance. He was a philanthropist, hello Bonnie, essayist, and the 1929 Nobel Prize in Literature laureate. And what's interesting to me is that he is uh, one of the best-known exponents of the so-called exilatism. Literature literature written in German by those who opposed or fled the Hitler regime. That's interesting. And three of his, uh, let's see, his older brother, three of his siblings became famous writers. Erika Mann, Klaus Mann, and Golo Mann became important German writers. Here's the quote that Nancy has picked. Order and simplification are the first steps toward the mastery of a subject. Nancy Schick, welcome back. How are you? I'm great, Bonnie. How are you? So glad to be here. Uh, We're delighted you're here, and I love the quote, and interestingly enough, I think it's a perfect segue, Nancy, on what Nina and I just finished talking about, regrouping, reclaiming your power, taking a deep breath, thinking. So why don't you tell me, are you a follower, fan of Mr. Thomas Mann?
4: I wouldn't necessarily say a follower and a fan. Um, I'm I'm familiar with his work, and... That's really what, I, what about the extent you've given me a lot of information I didn't know about him. Um, I you know I knew the basics, but I, I, I went and found his quote because I was looking for the, the source for another quote, kind of comically, mm-hmm. about the, along the same lines, basically about controlling the process as part of, of the process towards mastery, and that's something that I think we sometimes forget as we get really focused on trying to control the outcome instead of trying to control the process. And I just love the idea of focusing every day on your habits. And are you contributing to the goals that you said you you are committed to achieving? Because we think that it's going to be this like overnight success, very similar to what you and Nima were talking about. And you know, I, I think of Dave Ramsey says that he became a an overnight success after ten years in the business, right? <laughs> And, and I just think that um, all of it is is segue into where we're going today about, you know, just hang in there and keep doing what you know to do, you know, be your word, stick to it, and be, you know, be persistent and committed. That's where you see results.
2: So let's go back to my opening quote, Nancy, if you will. Why me? At what point would somebody actually sit still for you or Nino or Renee Duff, our third panelist, to say, okay order and simplification. That's how you're going to master this thing called entrepreneurship. I'm I'm going to say it. How many Valiums would you need to give somebody to have them sit still and say, yes, I understand, I'm willing to do that and put all the agita aside. Any any, uh, thoughts on the emotional component? Well,
4: obviously, you you know I'm a mediator, so I've had a lot of training in this and my (laughs) conflict resolution coaching also. Usually by the time people come to us, they're already in that, that position where they're almost ready to surrender. I would say most of my clients are in that position. They know that it, 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 something's not working and they're finally ready to ask for help. So I'm very lucky in those ways, that that point of surrender is where I, I get that ear and can make a difference with people. But sometimes it, it takes more than that. And that's why you see me on social media. You see me out there talking to people in all kinds of different forums, right? Because I know that this is, a little counterintuitive for most people. We've, we've been taught the opposite, I think, in, in mainstream society is that you're supposed to be, you know, the, the self-made person, go it alone, be the hero all on your own, and that's all garbage. It doesn't get you where you want to go. You need other people.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks for indulging my question, Nancy. I'm trying to push the envelope here so people will know. I think this is the most important part of our conversation is it's great to say we're going to talk about using the law as a tool, reclaiming your power, but there is that emotional component. And I think, unfortunately, in the media, we think of women as being the ones who are going to say, why me or cry first. Am I wrong there? Nina, am I wrong there? Or Nancy? I don't think that's I, 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 I mean, if Well, I'll, I'll start, and, and not wanting to get
3: too much into the politics, if you look at the way, in some ways, Hillary Clinton has been criticized, there are far more comments about her appearance and demeanor yes. than I believe there have been about male politicians, uh, you know, and you, leaving aside the policies. So I, I think in that sense women are judged, and they judge themselves more harshly in that regard. That the, the model that that's that set up a standard is a male unemotional standard, which also doesn't help men in the entrepreneurial world as well because they also have families and they also feel and they are also human beings who are are also going through a difficult journey as they're trying to build their businesses.
2: News flash. Nancy, chime in quickly, and I want to use this as a jumping off point to introduce Renee Duff, who is waiting so patiently to talk about her quote. (laughs) Nancy, what do you think? Am I wrong? and, And of course, I agree with Nina about the focus on what are we wearing and how is our makeup and how does our neck look and what kind of shoes are we wearing and our legs too thick and how do we look on the podium? I'll stop right there. Nancy, what do you think?
4: I think you're correct that um, that most people would think that women are the first ones to cry why me but I also think that it's an inaccurate stereotype
2: there you go. Let's just leave that one there. I, I'm, I'm going to go with that. Renee Elduff Esquire has a private practice that caters to small businesses, entrepreneurs, and other creative individuals. I love that in how you describe your business, Renee, with intellectual property assets as the main focus of their business. She's been an intellectual property attorney for 17 years and involved in the business side of IP for over 25 years. And Renee has sent me a quote from David Joseph Schwartz, who lived from 1927 to 1987, Interesting, 60 years old, passed away very young. You may not know his name, but I bet you've heard about his book. He was an American motivational writer and coach, best known for the author as the author of The Magic of Thinking Big. It was published in 1959. He became well-known through his motivational publications and self-help books. And I'm just going to read, Renee, just give me a second here, the promo for the book on Amazon. says, millions of readers have acquired the secrets of success through The Magic of Thinking Big. Achieve everything you always wanted, financial security, power, and influence the ideal job satisfying relationships and a rewarding happy life set your goals high and then exceed them so here is the quote Renee has picked from this amazing book it is believe it can be done when you believe something can be done really believe your mind will find the ways to do it Renee Duff how are you I'm excellent thanks Bonnie Thanks for joining us. I love the quote. I wasn't aware of Mr. Schwartz. Uh, very interesting. I'm not sure why he left us so soon, but certainly way too young. So talk to me. Are you a follower of David J. Schwartz and the magic of thinking big, Renee? You know, it's funny. I receive
5: several uh, motivational quote um, emails on a weekly basis. And this one, you know, stood out to me because I I do believe in the um, the power of, you know, of your mind and what you think and how you and what you think about as the, uh, you know, the focus of your life and what you actually see being, you know, manifested into that life.
2: So, um, you know, I'm I, I am a fan. OK, so tell me about this quote and, and right. So perfectly on our topic, Renee, believe it can be done, really believe your mind will find the ways. Is this the persistence part of sticking with it, reclaiming your power, but also being mindful and taking a step back when things are getting really tough before you scream, why me? So let's relate it to what we've discussed with Nancy and Nina. <laughs> it's
5: so funny how it does perfectly fit with both of those. I was looking at them and I was like, wow, this it is it's the segue into it. it. It really is. It's, you know, you can't give up. You have to believe in something, but also, you know, how how you think about it and that mindset is, is such a big factor in anybody's success. And, you know, if you think about in terms of, uh, you know, some crazy ideas that have become, you know, like you were just saying, or Nina was saying about Snapchat, where did Snapchat come from? You know, and it was probably some, you know, somebody had had a crazy idea, but, you know, sat down and just decided. Yep, I think this is going to work, and you know, and persisted. And now it's valued at some insane amount of money. So, um, you know, if they believed enough to keep pursuing it, and that, you know, in in my area of the law, I see ideas and creative things, you know, coming all the time. And it's, um, you know, and it's the people who are are willing to sort of suspend their disbelief of, you know, what can happen and you know, and just keep going forward because they really do believe in their product or their service and you see sometimes they, you know, produce these amazing results
2: amazing and unexpected and wow and, and we could flip around really we could flip around why me do yes me <laughs> we, we could turn that one right around and say it was my time I thought about it I wanted it I believed it and then they're going to go write a self-help book and say if you only believe and you think it through enough and you stick with it and you don't listen to your fools and friends and family who are the naysayers you can get it done interesting topic very interesting I, I think the emotional component is is germane to our discussion but I think you all know need a little bit of a break so let's go back to nina l Kaufman. nina are you in new york today because it's sure sunny here on long island and if you are i hope you're enjoying the sunshine what are you drinking today nina or what are you oh what, to drink well what i am show? drinking is i'm actually drinking filtered water and why am
3: i doing that because what? along the the lines of you know sometimes we get off track and we don't want to give up uh, I've had a, a big push to, to launch an online training program, and we're about ninety percent there. But in order to do that, I've hunkered down. I've been chowing down on the French fries and the chocolate, which is not healthy. So, <gasps> but it's <laughs> so, so I'm much fun thing for myself, and I am having just water. That's what I'm drinking today.
2: Okay. Well, is it in a pretty cup? Are you drinking from a straw like I do? Is there something memorable about it?
3: Um, actually, it's a really fun plastic sippy cup. So I get to, I get to feel like a kid. <laughs> no, Nina? Nothing special about it. It's just a sippy cup. Plastic sippy Nina? cup.
2: But, yep, there you go. There's always a backstory, and it's usually more interesting than the what's inside of it. Yes, thank you very <laughs> much. We got Nina Kaufman on a sippy cup in New York. That's breaking news. Okay, Nancy Hilschick, where are you, and what are you drinking today?
4: Well, I am in New York City, at least, until we finish this call. <laughs> and uh, and I'm actually without my drink because I already took advantage of the sunshine. And I went out and got my green key matcha tea, um, my matcha latte, right, with almond milk because I'm also in a little bit of a detox from... Hunkering down and you know teaching ten classes this, this in the past month on top of my regular oh. work schedule, so I've been in the in the mode of trying to wean myself off of the caffeine dependence that was replacing my sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Not a good okay. idea either. <laughs> Which is That's probably good to... why the topic of this conversation today is how there are unhealthy things that we do because we think we're supposed to go without sleep and drive, 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 drive. And that just doesn't really get us the success that we want.
2: I know. I know. I'm very empathetic, as you probably know my schedule. Thank you very much, Nancy. And Renee Duff, what are you drinking today, or what are you dreaming about drinking?
5: Uh, you know, it's funny. We're all on the same page here. I <laughs> I am <laughs> drinking this. It's a pure raw juice blend, uh, Formula Ooh. One, which is a mixture of kale, cucumber, parsley, and celery. And although it sounds kind of disgusting, once you <laughs> once you drink it or you get used to it, it's it's quite good. And I had done um, a three day juice cleanse from this uh, pure raw juice, uh, you know, company, and uh, it's it's quite tasty now. <laughs>
2: Just gonna let that one sit. You said that a little bit defensively, like, "Yeah, now that I've suffered through it, it's starting to taste good." Okay, it's, is is there yeah. anything sweet? Anything sweet in it, Renee? Is or is it just this all this uh, veggie stuff?
5: No, this one's all veggies. But they have, I guess, there's, I think, there's like fifteen formulas. So, like the the first one is all veggies, and then there's <laughs> number three is the one I like that has. Um, You know, some mint and some some other, like pineapple and more tasty things in it.
2: Okay, we're just going to let that one sit. Now, you all know by now that all I drink is water on radio show days. I tried caffeine a couple weeks ago, and it did not bode well. So, yeah, a little more energetic than usual. And they said, calm it down, calm it down. So we're back to water in a cool, clear glass with a pink straw because I love the sunshine. And you know what? I think my straw has brought the rain to a stop and brought the sunshine, and you're just going to have to let me reclaim that power, Nina Kaufman, if you don't mind. So we're talking today with three very powerful ladies in the law field. They're all in New York. Nina L. Kaufman, Esquire, Nancy L. Schick, Esquire, Renee L. Duff, Esquire, Interesting. They all have L as a middle initial. I don't know how that happened, but it just me. it's beshert, and Nina knows what that word is. We're talking today about legal lessons for women business owners and men. You can listen to Part 3, Reclaiming Your Power and How to Use the Law as a Tool. We have a lot to talk about. We've been having fun, but this is a very serious topic. We have a lot to talk about when we come back, and uh, we're going to start off with Nina in the roundtable, and we're going to talk about standing behind your value in writing, and we will weave legal tips and tricks, not tricks, legal tips, we'll just leave it at that, uh, into the conversation so you'll come away with some tools that you can use. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, delighted to be here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. If you're keeping count, I think this is episode number 232. We started the series on October 5th, 2011, and we're going strong. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. Justin, out. Indeed, here we are, and the topic is Legal Lessons for Women and Men Business Owners, Part 3. We're talking about Reclaiming Your Power Today. We're going to start off the roundtable with Nina Kaufman Esquire. Nina sent me the following comments before the show. We're going to run with this first one, and then we'll invite Nancy and Renee to chime in, and then I'll pick a topic from Nancy's list and one from Renee's, and we'll see how much we can cram into the next, ooh, 30 minutes. We've got 30 minutes left. So Nina says, number one, stand behind your value in writing. Let me just explain a little. She says many business owners are afraid to put their terms in writing. They don't want to scare away business with anything longer than a one page agreement so they're used to doing business on a handshake. I'm going to say OMG. Nina, tell us how do we use how do business owners, entrepreneurs, startups use the law to make it better? Talk to me.
3: Well, I will Bonnie, and it's it's a really important thing. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time someone came to me and said, "Well, I don't want to make it really long. I don't want to scare people. Can you just fit it onto one page?" I'd be doing this call from Tahiti. But Mm -hmm. what business owners need to recognize is that the world of business has become much more complex. It's no longer a situation where you can just rely on a handshake because our business is very often global or you're doing business with, with people across the country. So making sure that you have a clear understanding of what you're offering and what your terms are is an essential part of not only communicating your value but making sure that you're, you're literally and figuratively on the same page with people. And I think there's an important, you know, you, you touch on the emotional part of it as well. Mm-hmm. When you say, these are my terms, from a place of strength, you actually open the door to better business to come your way. Because then you're not making excuses for all of the substandard clients. You know, you, you were saying before, why me? Well, turn it around and say, why not me? Why wouldn't somebody pay me more? I'm worth it. You know, I had this experience sending a proposal to a client today, and I'm kind of, how much am I going to charge? And then I said, wait Mm -hmm. a minute, I have value. The services that I offer have value. My company has value. And when you bring that mentality into your business negotiations, the right clients come your way because you're screening better for the people who are truly going to appreciate the value that you bring. You know, there's a the old expression, if you lie down with dogs, you wake up with fleas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's also where, again, when you know your numbers, you also know what you can negotiate because people are they're so desperate to have the client that they don't recognize they're losing money on the deal. But again, when you understand what it takes to serve a particular client and, and what your pricing is going to be, then you have a better sense of, hey, this is just not going to work for me, and you can walk away confidently.
2: Thank you, Nina. A lot of emotional components in that. I, I know I've been through that when I was a consultant and a contractor. You, you sometimes feel that putting in a writing locks you in. And if they say, oh, you're too high priced or, oh, I want something different, you have to backtrack or you have to take it back. You're thinking, damn, I should have made it higher. I should have made it lower. Yeah. Nancy, Nancy Schick, chime in here. I know you have something to add to this. Of course I do.
4: <laughs> one of the, the first things that I, that I hear in this is, uh, is what Nina said about knowing your numbers. And it, and it, and it reminded me of what happens to people when they first strike out on their own as an entrepreneur because most of us have gone from some sort of employee situation where our, our standard operating procedure is to let someone else tell us what salary they're going to pay And so we're not as skilled necessarily in negotiating price. So we haven't really thought about how to demand a price that that will support our business. What are our expenses? What do we need to break even? And really just standing firm on that's what my price is because I'm worth it. And there's something about this we've talked about in the past also about putting the agreement in writing, understanding that it's a memorialization of the conversations that have already occurred around how your relationship is going to go. And I I find that putting it in writing just, it avoids a lot of the litigation and the the breach of contract issues, all of that breakdown in communication that occurs
2: because the relationship wasn't made clear. Thank you. Relationship wasn't made clear. I think that's a key here. Thank you. Renee L. Duff, talk to us. What do you think?
5: Um, I think it's, all of this is so relevant to creating a brand in general because you're creating a brand going out to the world saying this is what, you know, this is what I offer and this is what um you know, why would you want to buy my brand of something over something else because, you know, it is worth it. And and it it, it comes around to understanding the value of your brand and understanding the value of yourself and understanding the value of protecting that brand as well. Um, so it's funny how it all, at least in my world, comes all together in, you know, in such a nice, synchronistic kind of way.
2: Thank you. Nina, do you want to add anything to this? Well, I,
3: uh, you know, I think we've, we've all said what we need to say, that it, um, when you come from a place of strength, you have a better sense of how to position yourself, how to position the people you're, you're going after, and there's less angst around it all because you, it, it simply is, oh, you can't afford me? Oh, well, that's okay.
2: I'll find someone who can. And then you move on. Okay. Thank you very much. Let me look now. Let me pick a topic here. Uh, Nancy Schick, I'm going to give you two options here. Number one, you say every single business is in a relationship business. Do you want to go with that, or is it too close to what we just discussed? Because I have another one I like. Nancy? Well,
4: I think that is very close to what we're we're already discussing. Um, so if if
2: you want to talk about another one, uh, I'm happy to do yeah. that. Let's talk about we all experience conflict. I think that goes to our opening, that goes to the why me. Let's, let's put it all on the line here. So how, how can people use the law, the tools of the law to minimize it? I don't think we'll ever get rid of it. Maybe that agita of conflict is what sparks business people to want to go on. What do you think, Nancy?
4: Well, absolutely. I think that the, we forget how valuable conflict is to our growth. It's, it's, it's just something that pushes us to a new level. And it's, it's not comfortable. I get that. Um, even as a conflict resolution professional, I still have my own conflicts. And what I've trained myself, I think um, that Renee was even mentioning, <laughs> that it's so much about how we train our brains to deal with situations. And that's where the conflict resolution really starts, is recognizing that your thoughts as, as I've often been told, your thoughts are not a reliable test for reality. Right? And, and I used this yesterday in one of my classes. You know, we all have thoughts that don't serve us. And once we recognize that they're just thoughts, we can take different actions. The, the key is to recognize that you don't have to take action on every crazy thought in your head. And, and that that's just a conflict with who you are sometimes and what you want to create in the world. And if you get that, and take action in spite of. That's where the beauty comes in. That's where the growth comes in and the, and the innovation. Not, not the doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Conflict pushes you to the next level.
2: Thank you. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, little kids learning first to crawl. And then that first lifting up at the edge of a table or a chair and then the walking and, and the plateaus in between and the conflict is what do I want to do next and that uncomfortable part where you grow. Appreciate that. Any legal tips in that comment, Nancy? Anything you want to add about experiencing conflict? Any words of wisdom there before I ask Renee and Nina to chime in on this? Well, the, the one thing I think from the legal perspective, is, as crazy as this may sound coming from a lawyer, is you're going to make mistakes.
4: Just accept that you're going to make mistakes. The good news is that by having a team around you, you you get wind of that mistake quickly so you can take action to avoid the huge damage that might be caused, right? Because it's impossible to function in the world without some sort of error. So stop lying to yourself and thinking you can avoid all conflict. The key is to master it.
2: Ah, I like that. Okay, so get the right team, get the right advice, and have the right tools handy so you can mitigate the damage or get past it very quickly. Renee Duff, talk to us. What are your thoughts on what Nancy just shared, please?
5: You know conflict it's funny, I always say to uh, to my clients that when somebody infringes or uses something um, in you know intellectual property in a way that um, you might find uh, offensive you know part of it is uh, imitation is what the the greatest form of flattery but by you going forward and protecting your intellectual property, what it does is it even though there may be a conflict, having your, your trademark or your copyrights or things all protected, what it gives you the opportunity to either choose to enforce those or not to choose to enforce those and gives you, um, you know, different remedies of, of ways that you could potentially um, resolve that conflict. So if you look for, you know, sometimes you can make it a win-win situation because you want to do that. Other times you just have to... Um, you know, put an end to something, but uh, conflict is, is interesting in the, inter- in the intellectual property world, and um, I agree that it's, a lot of it has to do with your mindset of, are you going to look at this as, you know, a terrible thing, or are you going to look at it as an opportunity to either, you know, like I said, find a win-win situation, or at least learn something from the situation if you get nothing else out of it.
2: Thank you. Nina Kaufman. join us. Thoughts? Well, I think there's also
3: another way of, of looking at conflict that it doesn't have to be acrimonious. Like, hey, my business partner and I are at each other's throats, which is, <laughs> sometimes happens to clients that come to me. Um, but conflict can simply mean, you know, what I, I have a thousand dollars in the budget and I can't do both SEO marketing and. Uh, you know, be part of a, a high-end networking group, that kind of thing. That, that there just may be choices that we need to make. And where conflict comes up is also giving us an opportunity to say, what really are our priorities? Uh, there are plenty of business owners that, that I've worked with that want to either be all things to all people in terms of their client base or they want to expand into a new area before they really have a solid footing with a particular market. And part of what I ask them to look at is is to say, well, you know, where are the priorities that you have for your business? Because if you're trying to have a finger in a lot of different pies, Mm -hmm. usually what happens is that you end up doing a lot of things really mediocrely and that's not a legal word. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a word, but, <laughs>
5: but I like it. <laughs> right. It's,
3: you know, you're, you're, you're kind of being half-assed about, about all of the different things because you haven't, to go back to, to mm. Nancy's original quote, you, you don't have the focus, you don't have the order. Um, you're, you're allowing your focus to, to be scattered, and that can lead to legal problems that create even more conflict because, again, you're, you may not be there fully able to meet the commitments and the agreements that that you've agreed to.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, uh, Nancy. Anything you want to wrap up on this? Because I have something very interesting from Renee's notes. I'm ready to bring up. Nancy, okay. you good? I just want to I just want to highlight
4: one thing that Nina brought yeah. up that I think um, really hammers home some of my teachings, which is that. Conflict, we we tend to think of, oh, it's something that is occurring once you're suing someone or the relationship's already broken down. And the great thing about recognizing that it's sometimes what we might experience more as friction, that those are conflicts that we're resolving every day, which is why I'm confident that people can master conflict resolution. We're already doing it. We just need to recognize that we're doing it and use some of the same tools in an analogous way to other areas of our lives.
2: I like that. So we're basically dealing with conflict in almost everything we do on a daily basis, I heard you say, and it's it's called everyday friction. I think we need to copyright that, which is a perfect lead-in to our IP attorney, Renee <laughs> Renee, 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 uh, here's one of your statements I'd like to talk about. You say, if you have a business, odds are you have intellectual property. Did Nancy just coin a phrase that needs to be branded, copyrighted, regulated, uh, everyday friction? What do you think?
5: <laughs> it could be, you know, and it's funny because when you have a business, um, people don't even realize, you know, they they think, okay, well, I make this product, and okay, that's that's definitely maybe you know either trademarkable or patentable. Um, but it's a lot of other things within a business that are valuable that um, that can be protected and leveraged in a number of ways that. Uh, you know, people don't even think about. So, um, you know, how to look at your business in a different way so that you realize, ooh, I have all these pieces of things going on that I could um, possibly use in a different way or license other people to use. Or sometimes I find if I have a conversation with a client, um, you know, by the time we're done with the conversation, we're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even realize I had all of this stuff, and now I have to go back and, you know, and figure it all out. But um, if you, you know, if it has a value to you, odds are you can leverage that into a value for somebody else. Um, you know, so it's, it's one of those don't know it until you actually sit down and think about it scenarios.
2: Hmm. So tell me something. Is, is IP something that every business owner needs to be aware of? Every business owner needs to think every time they say, oh, let's call the product XYZ, you know, XYZ1. Is this something that becomes intellectual property and needs to be protected from prying eyes, from uh, IP thieves? H- how close to the vest do you need to keep your ideas? That's what I'm asking, Renee. What do you think? How, how, how well, tightly do you have to shut the blinds when you're in, in your thinking mode in your business?
5: Um, it's a good idea to keep that very, very close to your vest before you go out there, um, you know, especially if you have some type of a, uh, a patentable product. There's all sorts of rules and regulations of disclosure that you could be inadvertently, um, you know, really hurting even the opportunity for you to get a patent or for it to be attacked later by, you know, going out and telling people about this thing, um, and then, you know, even if you're talking about thinking about a name for something, um, that you should probably be looking into before you go and say, "Oh, you know, I love this name, I'm going to do all my packaging and you get all of this together and then after you know after you launch your product, somebody comes along and says, "Hey, you know that name is you know is likely to cause confusion with mine and so Um, a lot of other intellectual property that people don't even really think about is things like customer lists um, that fall more into, like, the trade secret sort of Hmm. realm than anything else. But, you know, the way you do business and the way that you, you know, that list of of vendors and, you know, who gives you the best prices for things, that that all has value if, you know, you decide to turn around and bring it right back to Nina and, you know, do an exit type of, uh, you know, you're looking how am I going to value my business to get out of it at some point, um, all of this stuff is is very important and, you know, and should be kept, um, you know, close to the vest. And some of it might even mean you should have employee handbooks and, you know, different NDAs and all of these other things to, to really keep that so that it is what is your, you know, secret sauce of your business.
2: Interesting. You know, Renee, I just want to bring in something here. I'm thinking of social media today, social selling there is so much going on where you are exposing what you're thinking about in, for example, forums you might participate in on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook, giving that, well, we're thinking about this and our business is going this direction and you engage with people in sometimes a very open and discoverable forum. So how do you keep things close to the vest if everything is seems to be so out there today? Any quick thoughts about social media opening the kimono, if you will? We were talking about close to the vest and now I'm talking about opening the kimono,
5: <laughs> you know it is it's a problem and it's something that um you know i have a lot of conversations and even some of the patent attorneys in the office have you know very frank conversations with clients about look we know you're excited we know you want to go out there but some of these things you cannot expose to the world at large otherwise you're mm-hmm. going to risk losing any right that you possibly had in it so yeah. um you know uh, there's there's things you can do and you know but I mean social media I know it, it's so easy to just tweet out something oh look at what I'm doing today, and, right? So you know, and you really could hurt your your ability to protect that that idea down the line if you've already exposed it to you know oh I have nine million followers well then you just lost all of your opportunity to say that it's a proprietary anything so um, yes I would social media keep it. Keep it closed until, you know, the lawyers tell you that it's fine to go out and and spread the word.
2: Thank you very much. I I think everybody was probably wondering about that, too. So we've closed the vest, we've opened the kimono, and now we're going to go back to Nina Kaufman. Nina, any thoughts on what we're talking about, intellectual property, trade secrets, customer lists, new ideas? Thoughts? Absolutely. I I think, and Renee touched on some of these, that
3: intellectual property is... It's sometimes counterintuitive, and, and sometimes I describe it to business owners as grasping smoke. Um, and so it's an area that, again, you, you're so excited about what you're doing that on the one hand you say, I'm, I'm supposed to be out there bringing in the buzz. This is what I'm doing, and yet you have the lawyers who are putting the, the muzzles on us telling us not to do it. Um, and I think that, that's where, first of all, having – a really good team around you so that you can navigate it, but also to create a plan so that it's not just, hey, you know what, I'm, 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 having a, I'm sitting in a coffee shop and I feel like, oh, I'm going to tweet because, hey, I feel like tweeting. It's no, the way you roll out your tweets, particularly if you're going to do it for business, is, um, is something that ideally you've got some kind of plan and thought behind Otherwise, it's, it's just scattershot. Uh, and, you know, Renee was talking about selling a business, that if you don't have a system for how you're handling social media or how you're handling these kinds of discussions, perhaps, with strategic partners, then, yeah, you could find yourself in a position without a business to sell because you've just been telling everyone because you're so excited. But in a counterintuitive way, that wasn't the, the thing that you should have been doing.
2: Thank you. Great advice, Nancy Schick, love To get your two cents or your POV or whatever currency you're using today, what do you think?
4: Yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting. Normally, you know, we're all an, entirely on board with similar thoughts. And uh, although I don't necessarily disagree that keeping some of some of your intellectual property close to the vest is is wise in certain circumstances, I think one of the things for me that I'm you know I'm hearing in this conversation is. You, you also have to to think about what your particular purposes of sharing your intellectual property. and I think Nina kind of hit on that as if you have a, a strategic plan for, all, for your social media and your communications, that's very important. For me, I have a lot of i p that are arguably i p anyway um, <laughs> that I share very openly, and it's because it's more important to me to have the information out there for people to use it and maybe benefit from than for me to worry about the business valuation. And that's counterintuitive for some people, right, because we've been taught it's all about the valuation. And that may hurt me someday, right? (laughs) But for now, I'm really trusting that getting the messages out there that I want is going to benefit in the long run. It's more important to me for, for some of that to be out there, and I'm not as concerned about locking it down close to my close to my, my heart, where no one can see it. And it's just a personal decision. So I think it's something else that we always have to look at in our businesses is what works for us.
2: Thank you. Very, very important. And perfect segue. Just before we go to predictions in about three minutes, I just want to bring in one more comment from Nina's Notes. Run your own race. I mentioned in my opening, Nina, and thank you for the topic abstract. Appreciate it very much, as always. Talked about are you moving at what you perceive to be a snail's pace in terms of your business growth while you're watching your competitors soar to success like a rocket ship so you're saying in your notes you should run your own race and the comment is look at the cover of any business magazine it's not hard to be intimidated if you're, your business isn't growing by 4,000 percent each year or you don't have a five year exit strategy that will let you buy your private island in Fiji, Belize, whatever your your preference is so just <laughs> (laughs) Some quick advice running your own race, Nina. How do people scale back from, let's say you have investors who are FFF family, friends, and fools, or somebody who is uh, knocking on your door a little too often. Yeah, how's the business going? I gave you 10 grand. I gave you 100 grand. And, and they're saying, well, when are you going to grow like XYZ business down the block? We saw them on the cover of Time magazine, or we saw them in Inc. as a featured new business soaring like a rocket ship. So how do you keep that emotional Tightness. How do you keep that integrity and not say, oh, damn, I'm not increasing by this rate. I better fold my door, close my shutters. So, Nina, what's the advice here?
3: Um, I, the advice is twofold. The first, I'd say, is any time that you're accepting money from, and just money from someone else as, as part of your business, you want to have a very frank and open conversation with them. And the, the thing is with a lot of the family, fools, and friends, they are not necessarily sophisticated investors. So they're going to be looking at Time Magazine, or they're going to be looking at uh, you know the, the show Silicon Valley and saying, I don't understand, why don't you have this incredible valuation? Well, uh, maybe because you're a dry cleaning business, <laughs> and that's <laughs> just not how those are valued, but a sophisticated investor would know better. So I think that's, you know, the first step is a preventive one before you bring people on in that way to be really clear on... What your your expectations are for what the money will do, um, and and to know what your plan is that you you need this money for, because otherwise it's just you know it becomes a black hole, and then Thanksgiving dinner becomes a really uncomfortable experience. Um, The other (laughs) tidbit I think is just an experience I've had. My husband and I run a number of 5K races during the season. And at first, I would get very angry with myself, you know, why am I not doing a a better time? Well, you know what? I'm not 25 anymore. (laughs) You're not? You're (laughs) not? You sure? (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. And I'm also not out there training eight hours a day. I have other things to do. So to be able to just relax and, and enjoy it, to Nancy's point, part of the conflict is, we, we put these shoulds, these kinds of assumptions on all of our actions, uh, and that gets us really upset. You know, I should be growing at a certain percentage. Well, says who? Who cares? Why does that matter? Unless it's something truly important to you that you have planned for in your business growth, the rest is garbage and let it go.
2: I like that. I'm tweeting here, run your own race, do not compare your business growth with companies in the headlines. Is that okay with you, Nina? That's fine. Okay, thank you very much. I understand Twitter is expanding how much we can use, and they're going to make all kinds of tricks and tips so that some of what you tweet, include in the tweet, is not counted toward the 140-character limit. And I can't wait for that day because it's hard to tweet these great comments from my guests in just 140 characters with all the hashtags and everything. So, great comments. Nina Kaufman, I've got you on in the hot seat here. Let's talk about predictions. We're now in the crystal ball predictions round. I still love the year 2020. You all know that by now. So the question is, what do you see coming down the pike? How far into the Nina L. Kaufman Esquire crystal ball can you see? And what will change about reclaiming your business using smart law tools? Nina, 60 seconds, go. Um,
3: I, I would say, the and it's sort of an old tool, is um, just, just not doing it alone. There are so many resources, so many people out there, um, particularly so many independent practitioners instead of large firms, that it really makes sense to create that collaborative team and to use technology as a way to to keep them all on the same page and, and having your different advisors from different parts of
2: your life communicating with each other. Any tools coming down the pike, business tools you would predict that will be great tools for small businesses, Nina? Anything on your radar?
3: Uh, well, there are only. I'm not great at prediction in terms of technology, but I'll tell you something that I've used really effectively is Asana. Um, you know, I'm not an affiliate, but I've just found that it has really helped give me the focus, but also the ability to collaborate with other people if and when and where I need to.
2: Thank you very much, Nancy Elshick, Love to get a prediction from you. 60 seconds. Make it fast. Go.
4: Okay, so uh, I think the, the first prediction I will make is that you're going to see more partnership between attorneys and their clients. And I think it is because of the use of technology. You know, there is the legal zoom and those types of, of businesses out there where, where clients are getting various documents, but then they still need the legal advice. And so I think you'll see attorneys and clients partnering a little bit more to make the services cost effective, but still very powerful and airtight. I think that'll be one. And then I also think we're going to continue to see a growth in private conflict resolution services where people are not waiting until they're being directed by the court to go to mediation or arbitration.
2: Ooh, private conflict resolution services. Got to get that one down. Thank you very much. Renee L. Duff-Esquire, talk to me. Predictions, please. 60 seconds. That's all we have. (laughs)
5: <laughs> I do uh, the technology side of things. Obviously, in in my world, is it's just not going anywhere. I mean, it's going to be tremendously um, expanding, and I do think, as Nancy said, you know, lawyers are going to have to become more of a partner with their clients um, in in even earlier stages um, of of their development of these products. So. I think that that's uh you know that's a great thing because a lot of times uh you need that objective sort of outside well did you think about this and if we do restructure something this way then um you know you'll have a better chance of of growing in causing less conflict uh down the line and I love the idea of the uh you know of, of a different type of conflict resolution and you know hopefully we'll start to see something where IP um matters can be resolved in a less costly manner because now they are all federal and there's a reason for the term don't make a federal case out of something.
2: Ah, Now we know. I think we just got a whole new topic there. Nina, you want to come back for part four? You can let me know. Of course. Of course, maybe sur Pourquoi pas? Thank you, Nina L. Kaufman. Thank you, Nancy Elshek. Thank you, Renee L. Duff. Esquire, Esquire, Esquire. It's been a great conversation. I really enjoy speaking with the three of you. You're all articulate. You've got your finger on the pulse of what's happening in small business and entrepreneurship, and you're all there in the trenches with your own businesses. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shout-out to Karen Heraldo, Heraldo 24 for tweeting. We appreciate it, Karen. Thanks for listening, and a shout-out to Justin and the Business Channel team. At World Talk Radio, I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag, pound sign, SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com.
5: The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single day event, we've got...